0: Welcome to the One O'ahu podcast. Today is Thursday, April 13th, 2023. And joining us this week is the Executive Director for the Office of Economic Revitalization, Amy Asobay. Amy, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Um, so happy to be here, thanks.
0: And for those that aren't familiar, can you let us know what your office does
1: specifically? So the Office of Economic Revitalization was started during the middle of the pandemic. And the idea was that there needed to be a place where we could get direct relief, direct communication, and um, help our community, both businesses and individuals. And so really that's been our, our focus um, for two and a half years now, which is making sure that our, the people of Oahu and the businesses of Oahu have direct access to relief and for now ongoing economic development support.
0: Because this is such a new office, how many people work in this office? How many people do you oversee?
1: There's a, Now there's about 25 people. And we've shifted from when we started to a predominance of folks that were answering calls, responding to emails, checking web inquiries, to today a major focus on programs and getting some of the economic relief dollars out to the community and working closely with different business groups in the areas of innovation, ag, technology, regenerative tourism, workforce development, and of course, uh, one of the biggest programs that we've been running is rental relief.
0: Uh, One of the programs that was launched earlier this year, the Oahu Business Recovery Grant. Can you talk a little bit about that program and the status?
1: So that program kicked off in January uh, to applications, and we were really thrilled to be able to work with the Chamber of Commerce. So they are the ones uh, today reviewing applications from businesses that really didn't get a chance um, to apply for earlier pandemic relief for some reason, whether they were home-based businesses, maybe events-based businesses, didn't have access to some of the funds that were available through the Small Business Administration or even through the city's Small Business Relief and Recovery Fund. So to date, um, we've distributed through the Chamber about $1.6 million to 61 businesses. So, on average, businesses are receiving about $20,000, and that's kind of an identified revenue loss that we can help um, them to recover through this program.
0: Uh, And that application process, that's still open? How can people get more information?
1: So the application process currently is closed while the Chamber finishes reviewing the first 600 applicants. When we reopen the portal, we're shooting for the middle of May. We believe that there'll be a few tweaks to the application um, from what we've learned uh, to help a few more businesses that maybe were just right at the cutoff and we think still could really use this support. So we look forward to that. We think um, there'll be eligibility in around 2.1 million based on the projections from current applications. So, we really hope to welcome a couple hundred more applications and really expand this opportunity to more businesses on Oahu.
0: A couple weeks ago, there was one business owner that we heard of that received confirmation um, upon applying but then hasn't heard back since. Mm -hmm. If there are others in that situation, what should they do?
1: So, when the businesses applied, they all created an account on what's called Submittable and so there they have an email password or an email username and a password that they can again log in and look into their account and see what status their application is at. Um, If you also go to um, OER's website, which is revitalizeoahu.org, there are instructions for making a call if you feel like you need to to the chamber. But I think this way is the most efficient and easiest is to go back to your submittable account that you created when you started your application and you can see the status.
0: And for those that weren't eligible did they get like a confirm or rejection i guess email rejection letter or how does it work for those that didn't exactly make it in this round
1: so as the chamber is going through the applications they are notifying businesses whether they were eligible or whether they were ineligible as we go that process is not yet complete i think we were around 84 percent of the applications had been reviewed So, if you haven't received any notice, you may be in that last, you know, 16% that's still being reviewed, or um, in some cases, there may have been an issue with your application, maybe something was missing, and the Chamber may be trying to follow up with you. So, check your email, again, log into your Submittable account, and you should get an accurate update, and we hope to be able to get through all these applications by mid-April, and so very soon folks should be well aware of their status.
0: Like you mentioned, this is a little different than the relief that was provided during the pandemic, different types of businesses um, getting this type of relief. But if you take a step back, are you able to tell us kind of what the need is at this point?
1: Well, I think we, you know, we are an office that's still building the data to support our programs and our work but we know that the mayor heard really clearly as well as the city council from the types of businesses that weren't eligible during the pandemic for relief um, they were home-based businesses they were businesses that were specifically shut down hundred percent because of some kind of covid restriction so those are the ones we're focusing on um, we again hope to open it up to a few more. But we feel like we're kind of, you know, really getting close to capturing the totality of the businesses that can identify some kind of pandemic revenue loss and we can help them to recover from that. From this point, we really wanna move on and focus on programs where we're helping to diversify our economy, where we're helping these very small mom-and-pop businesses to grow and offering them resources for the future as opposed to recovering uh, past losses.
0: Right. And when it does come to these grant programs, is there anything else in the pipeline maybe that businesses should be looking out for, individuals should be looking out for?
1: Well, I think we're really excited to um, get some of our agriculture grants out the door and distributed. And um, those are a little bit slower in processing because we have to sign an individual contract with each uh, agriculturalist, you know, farmer, grower, or producer, but those between now and this summer, we expect to distribute about $3 million to um, growers in our community. And this is one of those areas we're really excited about expanding the opportunity for for many reasons. To lessen imports of food to our island, uh, to be able to be more sustainable in terms of increasing the amount of local food that we consume, that restaurants serve, that institutions provide, and then thirdly, to make sure that this sector that we think is so important in terms of taking care of our place and providing good jobs for our people is able to grow and flourish. And so very soon um, we're pushing through this uh, process that the city asks us to do to be good stewards of public funds and we're excited to offer some um, infrastructure grants or more systems focused grants on uh, food and agriculture.
0: And that's a good segue because also joining us this week for our podcast is Dexter Kishida, and I believe that your official title is Food Security and Sustainability Program Manager. Dexter, is that correct?
2: We love long titles. (laughs) Yes, correct.
0: Uh, And Amy kind of mentioned it, but if you can give us an update just on the status. She mentioned that we want to get this money out. Where are we now when it does come to these ad grants?
2: We're starting to award these grants as we speak. Uh, Between now and July, the checks will be cut for over 65 farmers and totaling little over three million dollars
0: and you know we talk about the people that are applying for these type of grants what have you seen what have you heard based on on, on need who's who's talking to you who's, who's calling the follow-up how did this How did, what's the genesis of this these grants
2: really huge need in the in the farming sector to really help them recover from the pandemic our food system globally just hammered by by logistics issues, workers, and just shutdown of, of, of all across the nation. And these grants are really helping to restart the, the farming industry and get them on solid footing to pivot to this post-pandemic economy that, that we're living in.
0: When we pivot, you kind of have to take a look back. During the pandemic, we had programs like Farm to Car, Fish to Dish. Were there any partnerships formed there, maybe with um, the Farm Bureau or ranchers, fishermen that exist today? Partnerships they were able to kind of grow post-pandemic.
2: Partnerships are absolutely essential. It takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to keep farming going. Uh, it, it not only takes us to vote with our fork, but more importantly, to be involved um, through through these partnerships, Farm Bureau, Oahu Ag Conservation Association, Pacific Gateway Center. There's a number of partners that we work with to continue the, the help because three million is nothing to sneeze at going into Oahu's ag industry. But to carry this forward is really the infrastructure, the partnerships, the, the trust that is built between the farmers and and the city the farmers and these organizations and the city and these organizations
0: you know earlier this year hotels and restaurants like you mentioned took a pledge to kind of promote what you're talking about they took the good food pledge (laughs) and what is the good food pledge
2: the good food pledge is is something that we we decided is absolutely necessary to align the demand and the supply sectors forever we've been unintended talking about the chicken and the egg which comes first does the supply is the supply ready or is the demand ready and each one keeps pointing fingers but we said let's put a stake in the sand and let's get the demand side to throw a flag in the air that says we need X amount of cucumbers or X amount of lettuce and the way we're doing that is through this pledge this pledge system or this pledge program the way we're doing this is through the pledge program and um, so hotels the hospitality sector we have about 20 of them that signed the pledge, will be monitoring and, and working with them to see what their usage is and connect them to the ag sector that can fulfill these and do import replacement, quite frankly.
0: So who would be against something like this?
2: I'm sorry, who would be against something yeah, like the, this? the Good Food Pledge. Oh, Probably California. No, no, no. You know, there's actually it's it's hard to argue against this the program right. because it's not about penalizing anybody. It really is about growing Hawaii together. It's about connecting our partners. It's about connecting hotels to f- the families that support them. It's 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 a win-win-win.
0: So agriculture grants. We talked about this pledge You talked about the type of partnerships that have been formed. Out of all of this, uh, what do you think you're most proud of?
2: The partnerships that the city is building, because the food system work we've begun in the past few years has been pretty new to us, the partnerships that we're developing are really key. One day, federal funds aren't going to be as plentiful as they are now, but the relationships we have will continue, and that's how we carry our work forward. Because really, building all of this at the speed of trust is what's essential.
1: Dexter, thanks so much for joining. Amy, you want to add anything to that? Well, I just wanted to say Dexter and his team have built this work for the city from the ground up, from scratch, from nothing. And so those relationships are what will actually leverage funding, right? Um, So it's not just how can, you know, how do we work together? Can we get along? Um, Because we all know farmers are very independent group, right? And so how do we get them around this concept of, no, we're actually trying to help. And so how can we do this together? But if the city puts in a couple hundred thousand, we wanna make sure that it's leveraged by private investment, by philanthropic funds, and by any other maybe uh, financial institution that wants to be involved in this new agriculture capital stack that we're envisioning and trying to build with some really um, creative and um, I guess I would say fierce community partners who have been dedicated to this vision uh, for a very long time. So it's great to finally be able to not just draft a plan or or think and dream, but to act
2: on it. And you don't hear creative and financial capital stack very often, (laughs) but this is what happens in government and private sector, I think, work together.
0: Dexter, thank you so much. Amy, what else can we be looking forward to? I, I know that you had mentioned, you know, when it comes to broadband, uh, you know, there's, there's help coming.
1: Yeah, so there are a couple projects that we're really excited to work with the University of Hawaii on. Um, they're the center of our intellectual capital here, and uh, the university has been designated to lead the state's broadband plan. There is, at a minimum, $400 million at stake for the state of Hawaii. And our role um, at the city and county of Honolulu is looking to um, our residents and our community-based organizations to first and foremost make sure that they have access to the ACP, the Affordable Connectivity Program. And that is um, from the Federal Communications Commission, and it provides up to $50 per household and $75 on Hawaiian homelands to be able to pay your internet bill. So there's federal funds out there today, and there's many more families that are eligible today than are taking advantage of the program. So we want to do that outreach, and in the process of that outreach, we hope to learn about the households that don't have good access, that have you know, Wi-Fi that cuts out, um, that you know, this family actually you know, goes to the library to get good Wi-Fi access because it's just not reliable at home. Today, we know that people need access to the internet for your business. You need access to the internet for school. You need access to the internet for healthcare. All these really vital daily functions and so we're excited to do this outreach, to learn more about the, the dead zones in our residential communities, and make sure through this state plan that everyone on Oahu has the opportunity to connect and to participate in global commerce and you know for the functions of their daily life. So we're really looking forward to that work. And then also with the university, We're working on a workforce development partnership. So um, along with the American Job Center um, here in the city and county of Honolulu, um, we're working towards a contract, I should say, with the university to get some more workforce training underway, and we're very focused on industries that will help Oahu to diversify our economy. So one of our partners in one of the areas of technology is the Chamber of Commerce, and they have a really strong partnership with, geez, about 50 or more technology businesses that they're helping to build the pathway through training to real jobs in their businesses today in our islands. So beyond technology, we're focused on education, healthcare, skilled trades and clean energy, creative industries and then of course we were talking earlier with Dexter so we really want to strengthen that agriculture and sustainable food systems pathway too.
0: I want to jump back to technology which you mentioned mm-hmm. um, so you mentioned the outreach what's the timeline there is there a certain time where this money needs to be expended or, or is there a certain time where the outreach will begin and start where are we there?
1: So the outreach has been underway geez nearing a year already so there's over 30,000 families on the islands that have signed up for the affordable connectivity program i'm going to get the number wrong if i tell you the total number (laughs) eligible but um, we know there's a lot more to go and as always you know we're going to have to dig in all the nooks and crannies and try to find whatever coconut wireless to get to people to make sure they know that this is available to them We want to make sure that internet for all is a real thing here because the funding is there. People just need to know how to access it. So between now and the end of the year, that outreach will continue. There's additional funds for um, community based organizations and we'll work with them as well as the Department of Business, Economic Development and Tourism and kind of do some more community based outreach events. I think there's six to eight planned through the end of this year. Um, Through those, we hope to recruit just the city ourselves, not those other organizations, Mm -hmm. at least 300 more households to um, the Affordable Connection Program. But beyond that, with what we're learning, the plan for the entire state is dependent on what we're learning. And that is, I think, needing to be ready to submit You know with our state partners by the end of this year the beginning of next calendar year
0: well i was accessing the internet earlier i noticed on your webpage that the kakaako sinkhole is in the news section what is oer's role
1: with the kakaako sinkhole well it's kind of a wonderful part of our work in that since the office of economic revitalization started we're trying to figure out where there are gaps where there are gaps in information, where there's gaps in programs, where there's gaps in outreach, and then what can we do to help? And in this case, there was a gap in um, the city's communication with the businesses that were being impacted due to the sinkhole that was discovered along the rail line. And so our team raised their hand and jumped up and said, well, this is what we do. Um, The business and constituent educator team of five at OER on a daily basis, goes out on the street, knocks on business doors, and provides them some information on what we've been hearing about, which is hiring, access to capital primarily. And then we ask them, what are their concerns? And so, in this case, we knew that this was going to impact businesses. We wanted businesses to be able to plan and prepare. How long was this construction going to last? What intersections was it going to interfere with? Was there anything they could do about it? you know how could they alert their customers? And so we've been trying to keep about 60 businesses on our mailing list now um, informed because the work will be ongoing. Unfortunately, the um, sewer system is kind of old in this area and as they've been down there looking at um, the needed repairs, they've found more. And so, We feel that um, because we want to build more and better relationships with businesses, being able to communicate what the city is doing that could impact their business is a really important role for us. And um, so we have both newsletters that go to over 15,000 businesses weekly. But in this case, um, going door to door, we've got their emails and they've said, please let us know, please keep us informed. And so we're gonna do that. Um, through the end of this project.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'd be good to get more information. I'd be happy to learn information as well if I was one of those businesses. But sometimes it's hard to be the bearer of bad news. Mm-hmm. What was the response from, some, I mean, it's, when you told them that, you know, we found something else, or what, what did that team get in terms of response from some of the businesses that weren't too happy?
1: Um, you know, people are very understanding. Um, and businesses are understanding because in in the end, they know there will be an upgrade to the infrastructure that their businesses is is sitting on top of. Certainly no one wants their business to fall into a sinkhole or be further impacted by a sinkhole that we didn't take care of. So I think one of the big issues is just the ongoing construction in the Kaka'ako area. It's one thing to have this single project It's another thing um, as we learn to communicate better with them about the huge scope of private construction, city infrastructure, and all the other projects that are ongoing. So we get the privilege of being able to work with a bunch of other city departments and help to coordinate the communication to these businesses specifically. And I think plan. So if they know it's gonna go on for another week, Um, Maybe they aren't going to place a new order, maybe make their order for their stock and supplies smaller, Mm -hmm. and then build it back once the construction opens up. But um, yeah, certainly there is some concerns, and we're trying to address that by just keeping them as well informed as we possibly can.
0: So who makes up this fantastic five are these full-time workers are these students small business owners communications experts because it sounds like they're tasked with a lot
1: they are tasked with a lot and so like everything in oer we're learning as we're going some have been small business owners some have done outreach in other parts of government one of them was an americorps vista for us which was like you know he said i'd really like to work over there is that possible and we're like absolutely so promotions through the city Um, someone came from the hospitality industry and so we also appreciate that our business and constituent educators if we can uh, speak other languages because one of the things that we found in you know our door-to-door visits is that Our business owners speak a lot of languages other than English. And so it really behooves us to have a multilingual um, business and constituent educator team. We're always trying to build that, you know, um, I'm not asking them to do Duolingo or anything. But when we can, um, for example, we uh, walk the streets of Chinatown with the Chinese Chamber of Commerce. So they had multiple languages that were spoken, Cantonese, Mandarin, if there were others, and they know some of these business owners and we were able to join them. We could provide the backup information and they were the ones who could speak um, the language to make sure that the connection was made. So that's been one of the wonderful things about all of this is the learning. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue to learn, um, we just started two new pilots. One is, um, well, both of them are with the Small Business Administration. One is out in Kapolei at Kapolei Hallé, and the other one is at the Hub uh, Co-working Center. So what we're trying to do there is um, provide in-person support for home-based businesses. So we're going and knocking on storefronts, right, and then reaching out to them and asking what do they need but it's really hard for us to reach home-based businesses. So we're trying to offer this opportunity in more diverse geographic locations. We hope to expand as we learn if this is something that businesses want to take advantage of. And when they come in, they get support from many of the Small Business Administration's technical assistance providers. So we also want to empower them and connect, you know, the Patsy Team Inc. uh, Women's Business Center the Veterans Business Center, the Small Business Development Center to the businesses that need their support. So whatever we can do in partnership, um, this is kind of one of the latest ways we're trying to demonstrate that.
0: What's been the role of, I guess, that team and your office as a whole when it comes to supporting the businesses along the rail line? You know, that Waimalu stretch comes to mind for me, as well as some of the, you know, the offices along Dillingham. Mm -hmm. Um, Some storefronts have had to close for good. What's been the role of your office through all this?
1: So this is an area where we're expanding and learning, too. And it's a perfect example of partnership with Heart and their contractors so when hart signs a contract for rail along a specific route they are also signing um, up for public outreach through that contractor so that contractor is to provide basic information about what's happening with the project and what we feel we can add to that is that door-to-door stop as we've been doing um, with businesses all over the island ask them, how is this impacting you? Is there something you need in particular? And we know a lot of it is access to capital, right? And so whether it's, I've never got a loan before, could you start with a micro loan? Have you looked at other resources? You know, some people start a whole small business on their credit card or with money from their family. So we're looking for other ways that we can connect them to capital that are within the means of some of our very small mom and pop businesses. We've also been connecting them to hiring resources, because that's a huge issue, is finding quality people and keeping them employed. And so our American Job Center has been a great partner in that, and we're looking for other creative ways where we might provide, for example, a small business booth at a job fair and we could have five or 10 small businesses just at that table that the city sponsors. So they have some opportunity to recruit in this different type of forum if they've been having a hard time, you know, at their shop that is inaccessible on uh, Dillingham right now. So we're always looking for creative opportunities and ways to support our businesses. And we hope to be able to grow that as we look at some of the city vacant properties some of the city vacant buildings to try to figure out is this someplace where we could um, do food or um, business incubation is this somewhere where we could co-sponsor a pop-up market Um, or is this somewhere where maybe one of the business accelerator programs might want to temporary place their graduates. So we want to find ways to build the pipeline for aspiring entrepreneurs and for very small businesses to grow.
0: Besides keeping businesses open, you touched on this earlier, but keeping people in their homes. Mm -hmm. Many people became aware of your office during the pandemic with the rent and utility relief program. Um, Has all of that funding been paid out?
1: It has not. Um, we are still in the process of working through some of the applications that came in in October additionally there's folks that have received money from the program previously and when their prospective rent or utility payments um, end, we are considering them for future support so uh, the mayor uh, very graciously said, I see that this program is impacting families, keeping them housed, keeping these rental units affordable. What more can we do? And we know the need is there um, because through our partners at Catholic Charities and the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement, they have told us repeatedly you know, there's still a lot of families due to inflation, um, due to maybe other issues around childcare or other reasons um, where work has been. Uh, difficult that they're still having problems paying their rent and utility bills. So another um, 25 million was just approved by the city council for rent and utility relief and we hope to get that out um, starting I think like the 1st of May. So that's our hope and the date isn't um, hard set yet because we still have to go through the procurement process which is always you know take some time um, but we've been through this before um, we're not new to this game and um, we always appreciate people's patience and um, if they have questions they can certainly check our website because that's where they'll find out Um, when the rent and utility relief program will be open. And if you look at our website today, you can see that it's closed for applications, but we're really just grateful to our partners at Catholic Charities and at the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement for getting more than 215 million out, um, circulating in our economy. And also um, we know over 16,000 households Um, times four equals the amount of individuals that have been impacted by this funding. So that's a major task that the city could not have done alone. And um, we're just happy to be able to um, make sure that housing is not something that um, a family has to worry about.
0: That was one of the first programs um, that this office stood up and you came on board, like you mentioned, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. completely new office, a mishmash of staff. I know there was people from other departments in the city coming to work, the call center, Mm -hmm. these new programs, you know, for businesses, for rent and utility relief. What was this period like for you personally?
1: Um, Well, for me, I was previously working at a private foundation and I was interacting with folks at the city to try to figure out how our foundation might be able to support uh, housing for folks who were experiencing domestic violence uh, during the pandemic and were being told, stay home. And we wanted to make sure that um, they were safe instead of staying at home in a potentially dangerous situation. So in working on that, um, there was a opening <laughs> in this new uh, city, office. And so I was asked, you know, would you be interested? And um, so for me, um, I guess I want to try to be of use in my life. You know, our existence here on earth is not forever. But because of experience in the federal government, in the state government, I felt like, hmm, this may be an area where I could make a difference because I come with some experience that I could jump in and go. And that's what it's really been, is just jump in there and make it work. And so that's kind of one of our mottos here is we aren't writing any new strategic plans. We are not, uh, you know, drafting the new comprehensive economic development strategy. We're just acting on it. And there's a lot of partners out there who are ready to do that with us. So what funds we can leverage, what relationships that we can help you know, to make more real by doing things together. That's what we've been trying to do. And um, we've had a great team who's worked really, really hard for, um, yeah, the last, I don't know, 30 months or so.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it's it's been difficult, too. What keeps you up at night?
1: Ugh. What keeps me up at night? <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to have a balanced life, so I try to put – some of the things about work out of my head. They do keep me up at night sometimes though. I'll actually wake up and be thinking about how to solve um, a problem here at work. But I guess more than keeping me up, I think I'm more excited about the opportunities that we're able to create here Um, Working on regenerative tourism for the first time ever in the city or in the state and trying to define it and do it better for the protection of our place and our people, that's exciting. Uh, Being able to work on sustainable food systems and with agriculture for the first time in the city ever, that's exciting. That's a whole new area that we are creating. Um, this team is creating. And none of it we do um, alone. Like I said, there's a lot of plans, there's a lot of blueprints. So we have the blueprints to follow and I'm grateful for everyone who's done that. And um, I guess, yeah, I'd I'd say rather than keeping me up, I appreciate that the mayor as our leader has been willing to take on some of these hard issues. And we get to, you know, jump in there and, fight with him not fight with him but work <laughs> on it with him yeah
0: yeah I like how you use the word or I guess the phrase regenerative tourism I remember when I first saw that in the description for this office um, you said one of your jobs is to define that
1: so what is
0: regenerative tourism
1: well we started working on regenerative tourism with the Hawaii Tourism Authority and the Oahu Visitors Bureau In 2020, they were getting ready to start their destination management action plan. And so shifting from this marketing focus that our state agencies had to better, as they put it, managing this place. And so as the city works to define what regenerative tourism means to us, um, the mayor has been clear to our team that it's about... um, managing visitors on our island. This is where we have a scope of work in the city. Um, The city is not determining who flies in and who flies out at the airport, but we can manage that visitor experience both for the benefit of our residents and for those who want to come and see this most beautiful place in the world. So we look at regenerative tourism as this opportunity to improve both our place and better opportunities for our people through this industry um, known as tourism. So if that makes sense, just the improvement of both our place, our land, our sea, um, our air, as well as um, quality jobs and opportunities for our people um, that sow the seeds for the future of this place for years and years to come.
0: Um, But I imagine there's some tour groups or, people in that industry that are kinda happy with the way things are. What's, what's the difficulty there?
1: Well, I think we're, instead of emphasizing the difficulties, we're looking for ways that we can figure out where we have areas that we can work together. So, earlier, Dexter was talking about the Good Food Pledge, and this is an area where maybe folks have looked at these really big hotel chains as our adversary. Um, they bring too many people in, they send them out to our beaches and clog our roads. Well, on the other hand, these very big hotels have large buying power in terms of the food that is consumed on their campuses. And so we were thrilled that 20 of many of the largest um, and national, international hotel chains signed this pledge, which said, you know, more than just we will purchase more local food, but the whole sustainable um, pledge in terms of what we're trying to accomplish by buying more local food. So this is an area that we both win. When someone comes to the Hilton Hawaiian Village and gets ma'o greens on a salad or a koko kai, Uh, yogurt parfait with local fruit leather on top that is an authentic experience that is unique to our place and I think only enhances the experience at that hotel for the visitor so it's better for them and it's also better for our local people growing that food making those products and having long-term contracts with some of our bigger uh, food consumers so there are a lot of differences. Um, the mayor has taken you know, a stand on one of the big ones, which is temporary vacation rentals. So we're looking, instead of emphasizing where we have issues, just trying to find those ways in terms of building this regenerative tourism model together, where do we see this um, collectively that we can act on together? And then moving forward with that.
0: Yeah, I think eating local is kind of a good example where I'm able to grasp kind of what that means. But are there other examples like what does what does success look like here? Does this mean like people are taking their own trash when they leave the beach or like working the lo'i instead of getting drunk on a catamaran? Like what what are other examples where this works?
1: Well, we're trying to build more opportunities for a more sustainable visitors experience. Um, And so definitely the model at Hanauma is statewide one of the better examples of trying to manage one of our most special places for the preservation of it as a natural resource for the long-term use of our residents and then also for the enjoyment of our visitors. So as um, most of that falls under the Department of Parks and Recreation we're looking um, to how we can help them in terms of the commercial uh, businesses in our beach parks and um, all of our public places botanical gardens so that it's a good experience for our residents it's not overcrowded and it's better managed for the long-term sustainability of our natural resources so, for example, one of them it does go back to food a little bit, but there's a couple very special products that we think um, really have a you know some staying power here. That's Hawaiian cacao and local honey, and so we're trying to build with the support of the Oahu Visitors Bureau a farm tour. Um, as a part of an offering that might be special, that might be a pilot, and see what we can do to continue to offer that as something unique and special both for residents who would want to go and visit um, some of these farms and or uh, manufacturing places, or um, that a visitor might find super unique and get to take back Um, maybe a subscription for a chocolate bar every month that comes to them from Hawaii. So that is a little bit more long-term in terms of when will that happen. And there's a lot of partners that need to come to the table because not every farmer is ready to host visitors on their site. Um, But there's a a goat dairy that Mm -hmm. apparently does it very well. and um, you know has both an agriculture business and a visitor-focused business. So if we can find that right mix, I think that's what regenerative tourism will bring to us is where there's a comfort level that people here can welcome our visitors because they know how to and are a part of respecting and taking care of this place. And more of our people that live here are a part of that more sustainable business opportunity and also you know jobs and work that helps us to take care of this place.
0: A lot to look forward to. Amy, is
1: there anything we missed? Geez, I feel like I talked way, <laughs> way too much. But I think we covered a lot of it. And um, I just really appreciate the opportunity. Well, Thanks, if you think Brandy. of anything
0: else, I guess we gotta catch you again for another episode of the One Oahu podcast.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll come up with some stuff for then. Thanks so much, Amy. Yeah.
0: And if you have a question for Amy or the mayor, you can submit your podcast questions by heading to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And today is Thursday, April 13th. And that means we'll be back out for another town hall meeting tonight. Stop is at Kalani High School at 6.30 p.m. The next week, Thursday, April 20th, we will be in La Ie. That meeting starts at 7 p.m. We hope to see you there. Until next time, aloha.